we have a fully automated system here. Now, I, I essentially go out at night, I turn on the telescope, I literally load a script into ACP and I hit go and I sit back and uh, the telescope, uh, what happens is, is it, uh, it slews through the sky, uh, takes about between 800 to 1,000 images in the night and uh, it processes the data. Mike Forsland, a.k.a. Asteroid Hunters, is back in our podcast. He runs an automated sky survey from his driveway, where he provides data and observations to professional astronomers that provide greater and more complete data sets for the near-Earth objects passing over our heads. He's got an amazing setup, and he gives us an update on how he's changed things since the last time he was on our podcast. So, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Space Junk, a weekly podcast dedicated to the amazing hobby of amateur astronomy. Each week, we'll bring you interesting and fun discussions with an eye towards providing you with the latest information and advice on the tools, gadgets, software, and techniques for maximizing your enjoyment of the night sky. Your hosts are Tony Darnell from DeepAstronomy.Space and Dustin Gibson from OPT Telescopes, a world leader in telescopes and accessories. All right, we'll go ahead and just start this thing. Uh, Mike, welcome back, man, to our podcast. This is the second time you've been on it. So Second time, man. Ooh, I know. Am I part of a special club now or something? Uh, you I mean, are. Yeah. Very, you're, you're, very you're, special glutton, club. You get a gluttons for punishment badge now. Oh, I guess so, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. right. And look at your, look at your uh, control center there. I know the people that are just listening – um, they can't see it, but man, you've got to have the best control center in all of California. Thank You're going to be running JWST from that thing by the, when it's all said Seriously. and done. Seriously, I Look hope so. That. I hope so, man. Yeah. Uh, well, we we made a little change here. You you actually got the you got a, a little bit different angle than our stream, but uh, I put my uh, my astronomical library next to me now. So yeah, I see. I've got it. like yeah. star charts and all kinds of stuff because I'm a little bit of an old school guy too. Even though I have all this crazy technology going on over here, we uh, that's where it all started for us. You know, it was kind of the old school star chart stuff. So are those? Yeah. What are those? Are those books? Yeah, these are, are actual the, books. I know, what? right? I'm trying to like. <laughs> I got remember. these are my uh, these are my Burnham work? Celestial handbooks. And oh, it I, even has it open as if to open. say. And then I have uh, these are star charts sitting here. So, uh, and I and I made these. Uh, I, I pulled the spiral backs off and put them on these spiral bounce so you could like if you're observing or you're doing stuff you can you can lay them flat <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> I made those yeah. years ago by the way I didn't right. do that yesterday yeah. so how do you Google in that thing I, I know, know right? man how do you search that it's like where's yeah. the where's the little little uh, magnifying glass for that thing I had a friend tell me he's like you know we were the last generation of Encyclopedia Britannica readers yeah and. Uh, I, it kind of made me sad a little bit because it was such a cool thing to have this like this place that was supposed to be the the thing that housed all information, you know. But now it's it's unnecessary now. Now you just Google whatever you want, you find the information immediately, and so yeah, you're going to see less and less libraries. And your library there is impressive, Mike. I like that. That's cool, man. Thank you. Thank it's a you. good well, thing to have. It's, it's what got. But, uh, it's actually what got us into the science that we're doing is 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 reading about you know these old 16th, 17th century astronomers and some of that stuff. And I just like Robert Burnham and the things those guys did. I'm, I'm more, I'm more impressed about what those guys did at the eyepiece and the books they wrote than anything else. It just astonishes me. So yeah. uh, it really helped drive me into that. Yeah. It was just uh, it's just a neat when you think about that, you know, I, I, 
and and yeah i mean it's crazy i'll i'll pull sometimes we'll see stuff during the survey and i'll be like oh where are the coordinates and i'll and i'll pull them up in the books man and i'll look and I, yeah. it's interesting to see like like what robert said about it you know he's like oh here's here's and he'll give a big description it's just I don't know. I, I just like it so much more than Googling. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and it's, you know? it's the true, like, think about how much effort, like I piece astronomy when you, the astronomy with a capital A, like the science done at the eyepiece, absolutely mind boggling that it could be done. I mean, the, the work that had to go into that before photography and really trying to understand the universe around you by faint fuzzies with terrible optics. Absolutely. How yeah. in the, the stuff that they deduced from these blurry images. I, yeah. I honestly I think don't... even now with the technology we have now and the cameras, if I were starting from scratch, I could not have figured out what they figured out <laughs> with just well, a, a yeah, terrible and got, and optic and eyepiece. They took measurements of stuff and and then all of a sudden our technology gets better where we can really get accurate measurements yeah. things and you look and you go, damn, they were close. Yeah. <laughs> they, exactly. they did really good. Wow. Like, wow, yeah. man. That's it's incredible. It's incredible. You know? That's awesome. I love Astro it. Man. Astronomy is one is probably the best science at being able to get the most information from the 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 fewest amount or the smallest amount of data. I mean, just from the the few photons that we can collect from the universe, we're able to understand so much more than than I think most other sciences can give you. I mean, at least in other places, you have more data than you can than you can deal with, you know, with chemistry and, and biology, things like that. But with the science of photons coming from the edge of the universe and going on to these detectors and the amount of information we can glean from those photons is got it's, it's got to be among the most impressive of all the sciences to be able Absolutely. to do that. So. It's incredible. I mean, it's like you said, limited information. You can watch a professional astronomer walk up to a telescope Take a look through it for just just enough to where you see the light flicker off their eye. They turn back around and they're like, "Well, I understand the universe." Yeah, yeah. I'm good. That's all I needed. I'm good. Yeah, I can coffee? explain it now. That's coffee, right. anyone? You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, really that's incredible, man. It really is. But look, um, science is something that we talk about. I mean every episode something comes up obviously the two are linked right astronomy or even amateur astronomy it's just so right there on the edge of science and and pushing the boundaries of it even now i mean with the photography that's being done now this stuff has scientific value the raw data that comes out of it has scientific value and um i gotta say mike that you know in a lot of our podcasts i've talked about how i lean more the opposite way that Tony does. Tony is all about the science, always has been worked in professional astronomy and the whole thing. For me, it's always the the photographic side. I'm a photographer at heart and I love the art of right. astrophotography. And so I've never felt the need to be like an evangelist for the science with the only exception being our partnership with Asteroid Hunters. And, and we've had this conversation, but I absolutely love the way you guys are approaching this. You're making yeah, it you... so fun to talk about asteroids and the process of finding them. It's incredible. You want to kind of go into like your process and what's changed over, since the last podcast? Yeah, I mean, we, we yeah, we've uh, just let listeners know we've we've had Mike on before, so we won't go too into the basics of what he's doing. We're just going to talk about what's new. But go back to that episode and listen to how he got started and what he's doing uh, uh, with his <laughs> son. It's changed and like a that. lot, though. But it's yeah. So so yeah, why don't, Mike, why don't you give us an update <laughs> since last we met? <laughs> yeah, that you're using out. like the best equipment in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we, and and we, I I touched on it the last episode where where we were going. You know, uh, I, I talked about this. Uh, 
the implement implementation of some of the software we're using. But essentially what we're doing now, our focus right now is we're, we're a full on uh, sky survey, sky search. So um, we have a fully automated system here. Um, now I, I essentially go out at night, I turn on the telescope, which is, you know, I ask Alexa to do that, which is awesome. And, uh, and, and she turns it on and then, uh, and then, and then you didn't give I, Jeff Bezos control know, of I your, did, your I, telescope. I know, right? did you? Oh man. <laughs> so, yeah. so, but I, but I, we focus and then I, I literally load a script into ACP and I hit go and I sit back and, uh, the telescope, uh, what happens is, is it, uh, it slews through the sky, uh, takes about between 800 to a thousand images in the night and, uh, it processes the data. So we got teamed up with uh, a while back. Um, there's a gentleman um, that reached out to us from Brazil. And uh, he said, you, you, you guys need to, need to uh, talk to Paulo Halverson, is a gentleman uh, from Brazil who used to work at the Tanagra Telescope in, in Tucson. He's got tons of discoveries under his belt. This guy wrote, the, uh, wrote this software called SkySift. It's a fully customized software uh, that he wrote. And he's been working on it for 18, 19 years or something. And essentially what it does is, is uh, every night, and my system does this, my system's on all the time. So my system goes out every day to the Minor Planet Center. It pulls in the data from, from the night before for all the observatories around the world that have put in their, put in their uh, um, observations. So we know, we know where current positions are of asteroids. And then what it'll do is it'll schedule the observation for the night. And uh, it'll, it'll kind of create a map of where it's going to be searching. Now that, that schedule changes every night. Um, so it searches different areas and, and basically what it'll do is it's, I'm doing 30 second exposures with about, uh, you know, I, it's, it'll slew between, but, but I have generally about a three second delay. So, uh, I'll take a 30, this telescope will slew, it'll pause for three seconds and then it'll take another 30 second exposure. And we do that. Now, what it'll do is it's shooting these fields. Uh, so what it'll do is it'll shoot a field. It'll shoot another field, another field. It'll come back to that same field again. About we're roughly about fifteen to twenty minutes as our is our kind of our cadence, and it'll go through the fields again. It'll come back to it again about twenty minutes later. And once it has three images of the same field, it stacks it in SkySift and it looks for movement. It looks for motion. It's searching for asteroids. So the software automatically processes that, and then what it'll do is it'll spit to me, uh, you know, the data, and it'll say, hey. Here's some potential detections that you need to blink through. So I'll I will then pull up the blinks and I'll look to see if there if it's anything. But then what what also is very cool is that because we're a sky survey, sky search really, we're just like Atlas. We're we're just like Catalina now. Essentially, we're doing the same stuff. Our algorithms are a little different than theirs, but it's very much the same processy that they have going on. Um, I will capture known asteroids. Obviously, there's a lot at any given night. There's thousands of asteroids in the sky to image. My system will capture them and it'll process it and it takes those positions. And then what I can do at the end of the night is I will submit that data of those positions of known asteroids to the Minor Planet Center automatically. My system does that at the push of a button. It'll send all of that data uh, acquisition to the Minor Planet Center positions. Now, the Minor Planet Center doesn't necessarily use every one of those observations that I send. Because some of them may be objects that have, you know, 5,000 observations we don't need anymore or whatever. But some of them they do. Some of them are asteroids that need follow-up follow observations. My system will automatically grab that. Last night, little, 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 uh, we, got, we set our personal best. We did 1,000, 
100 and uh, what did we do? We did 1,132 objects in one single night. Uh, our, we submitted all of that data, all those positions of all 1,100 objects to the Minor Planet Center of their positions. It automatically happens. So um, did we find anything new? No, um, but we are, we're looking. And, uh, but during that time, we are collecting data on known asteroids. So, so that's, for, you know, yeah. So you need a minimum of two observations per field to get a motion, three, right? Three observations. Oh, three. Okay. Three observations per field. So we need a minimum. And All right. So motion. do you, do you stay and do, do you just do three and move on? Or do you do like an average, maybe do five yeah, why or is do that? a little bit why more? Why is that three? I would have guessed like what Tony just did too, because you see a star field, then you see if one thing moved, all the stars are going to be in the same place. Yeah, well, we want to to get to get good astrometry. We want to we want to have you know like three positions is is a good is is good. Now you can submit you know a couple positions, but we want we tend to do three um, because the big thing is you're trying not to also have false detections. So the more images you have a field, the the less false detections you're going to have. So three is kind of the number. Apollo is working on actually going to four to create uh, bring those false detections down even farther. Um, but what, but the point is, is that we have a, there's a cadence that happens. So when I mean cadence, we're talking about the, the time in between the images. Uh, so it'll take a section of the sky where it'll shoot a field and then it moves on and it slews. And after about 20 minutes, it'll come back to that same field after imaging a bunch of other fields. And then it'll do that, you know, by the third, when it comes back a third time is when it starts to process. So you'll have three images with about 15 to 20 minutes in between. Um, now we can we have we have talked a lot about strategy of that um because that's you know based on your um spacing you have is the kinds of asteroids that you can you can detect right slow movers fast movers those kind of things some of those cadences uh obviously if you have if you have a longer cadence in between you can capture slower moving objects um you know so we're we're kind of in the middle of the road we're, we we kind of search for fast moving objects but we also capture slow movers, slow so you have to shoot them. Those kind of you you so. mean you can't have a, a big gap then between your first image and your next one? Because it would be if it's a fast mover, it could be off the the view already. Absolutely right. So the, and that and there are like we know um, uh, the guys in Sonair are, are friends of ours down there in in Brazil. Shout out to them if they're listening. Uh, but they have a Raza Eleven. They they run a full sky survey. They've made tons of discoveries. They actually focus on fast movers. So what they do is they do very short exposures, uh, shorter than ours, but they only wait like three, three to two to three minutes in between each exposure. So they'll shoot an exposure and then they'll move on. They'll three minutes later, they'll come back to it. And they are specifically looking for fast moving objects. Um, And but here's the thing. Right. So I'm a dad. I'm a you know, my son and I put this together. I have a full time job. If you're looking for fast movers. You have to be blinking those objects, staying on that data all night long, because if you see one, you better follow up right now. Otherwise, you're going to lose it. When I talk to Paulo, I'm like, Paulo, I need to get some sleep at night, so I can't do that. So we kind of found a middle of the road option for us that based on our wide field with our Raza 14, that some of these objects, you know, we're kind of middle of the road. Can we can we get fast movers? Absolutely. Do I blink till the wee hours of the morning? Yes, I do. Uh, but there is a point where I go to sleep and the system does run. And and if there is something that's caught, I might have a real hard time trying to follow it up the next day uh, with that. So um, so yeah, and that and and that leads to you know we can talk later, but but we have expansion uh, uh, um, 
things in the works that we're actually ex expanding our reach around the world. We're talking to other observatories around the world about implementing the software. So, uh, but that's essentially what our focus is. We are looking for new objects, but during that time, we will capture known objects. Now, the other side of it is because we're a sky survey or a search, I should say, we actually What's the look, difference? You've you've done that twice. What's the well, difference between a sky you know, survey and a search? We're, we're searching. You know, we're not we're not. I'm not led, less necessarily surveying positions of of certain things, but I mean that's I I want to call it a search. You know, we're not surveying distances of stars and those kind of things. So I just I just want to be a little bit more. But you are imaging correct, a pretty know? huge area of the sky on a given night, right? We are. I mean, we are. So and that, so. And that, and that but it's more random, right? It's not the other structured thing that like we're a doing. survey. Yeah, it's a little bit more random than a survey is, right? So, but I will say this is that the other side of what we do is we do transient detections through that. So when we're imaging these fields, my system will catalog uh, one of the fields. It'll, it'll store it um, of that field. So if I come back to that at a later time, say I come back to that area a month later, six months from now, two weeks from now or whatever, It'll take that library image, it'll stack against it, and it'll look for any outbursts. We're looking for nova, uh, any supernovas, any kind of variable stars. I don't understand, And we make man, a lot of discoveries so much, of those things. We have so we much have made, automation. I know. Why are you and losing have, sleep? <laughs> like, at well, what point because, do you have to lose sleep? I know there there is a point where you, you don't, but 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 if you if you if you capture these objects, we want to we want to beat the sky surveys. I mean the other the the other side of it is that oh, is that we are sitting in between some of the biggest searches in the planet, right? We're sitting in between uh, Catalina, we're sitting in between Hawaii, like we're in a bad location, <laughs> and so I'm it's not, a and war. I'm not on top of Mauna Kea. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a little bit of yeah, it's a little bit of a competition. It's about like who gets there be, first. Who gets there That's, first, right? Yeah. Okay. Now yeah. it makes sense. That's right. So let so, me yeah. let me ask you how how many times a day do you get asked, "Are those aliens that I see oh, moving through this?" Oh my! Gosh. How many how many times a day do you get that? You know, it's funny. I, I you know Tony Tony messaged me about uh, Apophis earlier, and I was like, "Yeah, we'll talk about it," but. Uh, it's like I want to I want to avoid some of these conversations because you wouldn't believe Sounds the messages like I get from people, man. I you get know, I get these messages from people all the time, and it's it's. Uh, I was going to make hilarious. a joke a second ago, and I didn't because I know you deal with it in, all the time. In the real world. All the time. I know you do, but when you said we need two points in, or three points instead of two, I was thinking, well, look, two gives you a line. It gives you the linear movement of an asteroid. The only reason you need three is so that you can see if it takes a sharp turn because it's an alien. <laughs> That's exactly right. And, but I was like, I can't make that joke yeah, because yeah. people will I know. blow I'm him up. Oh, I'll get blown. I get blown up. And I we yeah. get it's so funny. It just so everybody knows. Look, we're we're a father son that do this in our, you know, this is our I can't believe it's I say that because because we really have professional level set up here and uh we are running like the, some of the biggest uh, observatories on the planet, but but uh but we're we don't work for the government, okay? We don't we don't we're not hiding secrets, we're not <laughs> They just we're pay not doing you those things, you know. Uh, yeah, right. So the government just so, pays you to hide it. Exactly, exactly. It's a different relationship. It's, it's a funny thing, but but yeah, I was going to say we we do these transient detections, and we've we've made several discoveries of dwarf novas, uh, some variable stars, uh, and 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 we we submit that data as well uh, when we make those discoveries. Um, uh, and out see, there, that, so. that's the value of sky surveys is that there's 
a lot that can be done besides the intended reason for taking the data. You're doing it to look for asteroids and get astrometry, but you've still got a picture of the sky sitting there on a given date and time in a certain area, and that has value. So when you go back to that and you take it again, you can compare with what you've taken before to see if anything changes. And that's right. why these you know, all kinds of stuff are discovered this way and seen supernova that were never seen before, gamma ray bursts that were never that were never followed up or didn't even know were even there before happen almost by this this almost by accident but by sifting through older data and comparing it with uh, the new stuff that you get these new discoveries and you're about to be in competition with uh, LSST the Vera Rubin uh, uh, sky survey which is going to be taking pictures of the entire sky three times <laughs> every week and yeah. so that's going to be that's a amazing. huge source of data um, that people can use to gather these these things this information from too so but you mentioned twice uh, atlas and catalina why don't you really briefly talk about what they are just so we have our terminology down well these are so these are so these are these are the government run facilities that uh are out there doing doing the same work we're doing where they're uh you know their uh, atlas sits on the top of mauna kea they have several telescopes they're just uh getting a telescope up in chile as well uh they're the ones that are that are out there uh making the dis making the discoveries of new objects uh, and they're they're nasa funded organizations government funded organizations uh, uh catalina is out of the university of arizona and uh they're they're sitting in arizona and and have multiple telescopes big big telescopes uh that are out there uh, and of course you know being in some of the best skies on the planet uh, makes all the difference they got sub arc second scene in their in their locations so uh, but those are those are the organizations that are that are really really doing the 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 work for for protecting the planet of, of paying attention to what's out there. You know what I mean? They're the ones cataloging the, the, the asteroids. They're, they're making discoveries. Now they, they can see a whole lot deeper than we can. Um, they can see a whole lot lower, <laughs> lower in the horizon than we can. Uh, we are definitely limited where we're at. Um, uh, and our chances of, of discovering are very, they are low. I mean, it's, it is challenging what we're trying to do, but, uh, but, but it can still happen. But and you're happens, adding data you know? points. We are adding you're, data points. We right. are we are follow, doing follow up. Our our observations get posted as follow up. I mean, my you know the, the the search finds known asteroids stuff that needs follow up all the time, and it'll send that data. So we are we are doing that as as that, and we're looking for you know the transit's a big thing as well. But uh, uh, but I tell you what, man, uh, there's there's been a number of discoveries over the last few years that all happened from amateurs like myself. Um, that are doing that. I've got a friend in Brazil that just discovered a comet last year, uh, Leonardo, and uh, just just and and oh, he's yeah. running a twelve inch, you know, out of there. So it's like people people are making those discoveries. We're the we are the other side that support. I mean, I I do know um, uh, Henry who works for he's one of the lead engineers for Atlas. He told me the other day he says he says guys like you that do the follow up and stuff keep us in business is what he said. He's like you guys that wow. do the follow up, all those keep us in business because we make the discoveries, but you guys do the follow up to make sure it's it's there to make, to really to really you know, put validity to it and then yeah. start to understand what the orbits are by taking observations. So, he goes, "We couldn't do it without the support of guys like you." And I was like, "Wow, thanks, man. That's awesome." <laughs> you know. Yeah, and there are very so, few. I mean, especially yeah. doing it with the the uh the know-how and the equipment and software that you have. I mean, you have you have more software than a lot of the universities that that we talk to, you know, and um, certainly better equipment than than most that are doing this type of thing. 
let's let's go into your equipment for a second. And then I, I do want to talk about the relationship between you and the professional astronomers, because I think that, I mean, it's got to be, you think about their position and how they're going to be limited by resources, you and your team, because it's not, it's not just you, but you have an entire team doing this around the world. Um, I mean, it's got to be just so immensely valuable. And I'm not surprised at all for them to say that they couldn't do it without people doing that type of thing. But let's go into the equipment for a second. I know you have access to the 24-inch plane wave in Abu Dhabi. Is that right? Yeah, we're, uh, we're in fact, I was just on with them today. We're installing the software in there. And that that system's going to be strictly for follow-up. Here's what's neat about our the SkySift software that Paul designed. We're doing the search side of it. The other side is that it'll do... Um, every 15 minutes, my system will go out to the Minor Planet Center and it'll look for anything coming off of the off of Atlas or any of the sky survey. Anybody that's just made a discovery, they post to the to the confirmation page. These are new objects that are out there. So it, it, it's looking every 15 minutes. Now, in Abu Dhabi, I'm, I will have the system configured that when it finds something, it automatically loads a script, telescope slews over to the location, starts imaging automatically, and it'll start processing. So what's great about that is that, in, as you guys know, when the sun's coming up in Hawaii and their night's finished, the sun's going down in Abu Dhabi. So now we have a great opportunity to be some of the first eyes on the follow-ups uh, with our 24 out there. You have like have a 22-hour cycle of imaging Yeah, because of your, the yes. location of your scopes. That's, that is yes. incredible. Um, yes. And they're very different. So the scope that you have at your home observatory, you're using the... The 14-inch Rasa, right? Rasa 14, yes. yes. Why did you go with that? Well, I mean, uh, fortunately, we had a great relationship with OPT. We have a great relationship <laughs> I wasn't with fishing. I wasn't fishing there. I was just, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't fishing you know, well, for, well, let me thank my sponsors. No, 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 I, I'm being you know, serious. Well, so listen, like, why I, the F2 scope? Well, listen, I mean, you, uh, yeah, we got we to gotta go F2 because we are in a, look, we're in Bortle, four or five skies. I mean, we are in, we're kind of on that cusp of Bortle four or five. We have light pollution. So, but the big thing is we want to shoot fast exposures uh, because we are, we are basically imaging objects that are moving. So we want a fast astrograph. Now I, you know, we started this, I told you in the last one, we started with an eight inch, then we went to an 11 and then we went to a 14 edge with a hyperstar, which, which all was great equipment, works great. And I and I'm a big proponent for all that, and I'm and I love the hyperstar. Shout out to those guys. Yeah, you that don't do have great to start with so fifteen thousand so dollar. You don't telescope. have to start there at all. We did not. So, but but you know, using a Raza, it's like, look, we're gonna only specialize in this. Okay, this is what we're doing. We're not gonna be doing any planetary. We're not gonna be doing anything else. We want a wide field. I want as much aperture as I can get, and I want speed. So the Raza fourteen was was the fit for that. You know, so it was like, okay, and I and I don't want to be. You know, I'm going to tell you that things like the focus system on that telescope is way different than any of the other Celestron telescopes. It's designed completely different. There's little to no shift of that thing when it slews around. I, right. I mean, I set it's focus amazing. and it's, it's like it's, nice. it's locked. The only thing that I change, get changes is when I get temperature shifts. But, but when it's look at what I'm doing, I'm slewing to a thousand locations in the night. You know, the other side is we upgraded to we had a CGX mount. We, we discovered real quick that. Our CGX is a great mount, but when we because we were sl starting to slew all these locations, I was having problems with settle time and where the telescope slews and and it would take a few minutes for the drives to kind of engage and and start tracking so I could take a take an actual exposure. Uh, so we ended up we got a Paramount MX Plus and I put it on a pier out there 
And so now that allows us to basically, we slew over, I'm doing a 300 point model of the sky, which is, you know, our pointing accuracy has to be really good when we're doing the science. We want to make sure that uh, we take good photometry, right? So we want to make sure that our pointing is excellent. So we, now we're using a SkyX model on our software. And uh, with, the, with the Paramount, man, it's like the thing slews over, three-second three, three second delay. We start imaging, it's tracking. Like, it's, it's every, every image is perfectly clean. Like, I don't have star trails or anything where yeah. it runs. Those mounts, are, those mounts so, are incredible. Yeah. I, uh, I use a mix of Hobum harmonic drive mounts and um, Paramount mounts in my observatories. And I got to say, man, like both of them are just absolutely, like, they make life so easy. Yeah. Just knowing that when it when it goes to the target, it's going to be dead on. There's no on. guessing. It's just right there within a within a pixel dead yeah. on. Yeah. And I've spent yeah. a lot of time. I and Paul, Paulo tells me it's awesome, man. He's like, hey, he goes, I got a lot of clients that have run the software around the world. He says, your system is is by far the best running system uh, because you've spent a lot of time. I have spent a lot of time like making the model right. I've done the, the periodic error correction record to make sure the drives are run. I mean, I'm I'm real meticulous about it because I want I want our data to be accurate. We we already have enough challenges being 40 miles outside of Los Angeles. Um, I'm not going to add challenges with the equipment. Let it just be the sky that's the challenge and not the gear. So uh, the other side is that we run a we run a ZWO 6200 uh, mm monochrome uh, full frame sensor. I mean, you got to run a full frame sensor when, when you have a you know we have such a big uh, big wide field on that uh, on that Raza. You know, I'm not going to run any kind of smaller sensor on there. So, and it, and it's, it works exceptional. It's been an exceptional camera for us and uh, runs every single night. And uh, just, it's just been really good. So, so that, those are the kind of gear aspects. Now software we're running, we are running about nine pieces of software during our search <laughs> that we have going on. Cause I have Maxim running. I have sky X running. I have ACP. I have a visual pinpoint that we do our blinking with. Uh, SkySift is running. Uh, we also have the system as time through Dimension Four because we want to make sure that our timings are correct when we're taking it. I mean, there's a lot of things happening. So yes, we have we have kind of a monster setup here, uh, as many have seen is on our live stream uh, on it, and and uh, so so we have a lot of a lot of aspects that are going uh, on it. But uh, but but it runs, man, and runs runs great every single night. <laughs> so. All right. Well, <clears throat> Asteroid Hunters, why don't, while we're at it, let's go ahead and uh, talk about how people can watch your streams and see what you're doing. Yeah. So we're, we, we are, uh, we are live on Twitch, uh, Asteroid underscore Hunters on Twitch. Uh, we stream on Sundays. We're, we're doing some Wednesday nights now as well, but Sunday's a big night. Uh, you can check us out there. We have our YouTube channel, uh, Asteroid Hunters uh, as well. We got an Instagram uh, as well and uh, Twitter. So we're, we're kind of all over the place, but, but we are, we do have a couple of streams that are we're running on Twitch. We have our normal stream where I'm on camera and I'm I'm talking and doing stuff, but we also have a we have a, a, a stream where we're showing just the search that happens. And it is it is called Asteroid Search. It's on Twitch. And uh, I sent you a screenshot of it today, Tony. Yeah, and, yeah, I saw uh, it. Yeah, essentially, you know, if that's I'll I will let light that stream when the survey starts and we'll it'll go all night and then and then at the end of the night, when the telescope parks itself, I'll stop the stream. So you watch, you get to hang out. It's it's one of those kind of hangout streams, you know, like the like the critter cams where you watch the you know the raccoons for hours. It's like that. Um, I have been talking on it lately, been communicating with the chat, talking through with people. But uh, we let that run. But you get to see the 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 work happen uh, throughout the night. And uh, I put some, put some music to it. We got some. We're just people are hanging out in there. They're just chatting about what's what we're doing. 
I've made discoveries. Uh, we made some transit discoveries right on that channel before, so they get to see that. The coolest part is that we're the only ones in the world showing a, a full-on sky sky search uh, live. There's nobody yeah. else showing the science. So I, I tell people that, look, we're the only ones in the world showing the science from a, on a live perspective, streaming, uh, making it, uh, you know, to the getting it out to the masses. Uh, nobody's doing that. I, and we take pride in that to be able to show people. It's awesome. So, yeah, there's, there's two things going on there. One is you're, you're involved in the future, what I consider to be the future of the hobby itself. I think that what you're doing uh, is, is a harbinger of things to come. I think taking pretty pictures is great and, and imaging is awesome. Uh, and people can do that now in unparalleled ways uh, relatively easily. But this, I think, is, is, is a new frontier that is only just being tested. And you're one of the people breaking the way for that. And then there's also the the live streaming component. I also think things like this are the live streaming of the future, where people are just doing their work, whatever it happens to be, uh, and putting it out there for people to follow along live real time. I actually think professional astronomers are going to follow your lead on this eventually. Uh, right now, they're so concerned, and, and a lot of their data, to be fair, is proprietary, and they can't, they don't want to be sharing it with <laughs> everybody before they get a chance to write their papers. But, you know, there will be, I think, a component of this in the future from professionals as well. So you're on the forefront of thing of several different things, which I'm quite excited about. Well, and we and we want to make it no. I mean, our biggest goal, and I told Dustin this many like while you know we first started our relationship with him is like I want to bring this knowledge to the to to the community out there because when we started this, there was very very little information on. Google, <laughs> you know, and it, and it was very difficult to, to get ourselves off the ground, understanding what do we got to do? How do we do this? And I, I have like told people like, listen, I am here to help. Uh, we have our discord channels, a big thing that we have going on. We've got a lot of people in there and we've helped people get their observatory codes and are submitting data to the minor planet center. We've helped them through that process. And uh, that's what we want to do. We want to help people yeah. through that and make it a, make it available to people so they can see and learn and grow and understand. Because we didn't have that. I was very fortunate that I had several couple of guys that I had I reached out to on YouTube were like, please help us, and they did help us. Uh, David Rankin, shout out to you, David, if you're listening. He uh, he was so awesome. He took my images. He says this is what you got to do, and he gave us some pointers, and we and it really it helped us. But not everybody has that, so. We, we want to make it known to people like, hey, yeah, we are doing stuff on a really professional level now and, and we're doing some crazy stuff, but it just shows like you talked about what astronomy, what I mean, the stuff you can do in astronomy, man, you can put your eye on the eyepiece, you can take images, you can like survey the sky. You, I mean, there's it's endless. So we have taken these steps. Uh, does everybody have to be here? No, of course not. But we've taken the steps to be able to pass that knowledge on to, to somebody and say, hey, if you want to get into the science, I know where I, I know how to teach you to begin what what it takes you know uh and, and we got a lot to learn i mean we're not we're not even close to understand i i see uh, sam dean these guys in discord they're they're doing some crazy stuff and i'm i'm, I'm just like i look at that and i go you guys are awesome <laughs> yeah well <laughs> so well i mean this is just the tip of the iceberg there's there's asteroid searches there's comet searches there's supernova searches there's yep. there's exoplanet like curves there's uh and i believe once those that's the low hanging fruit believe it or not i think that the next step we're going to see are personal deep sky surveys like what we're seeing with the dark energy survey or with the uh lsst or vera rubin sky survey 
all of this stuff is going to be possible from your driveway where you'll be able to do things like microlensing. Now, microlensing yeah. requires a lot of really accurate photometry that will let you see a black hole pass in front of a background star and lens that light into a little spike, a characteristic spike. You could discover black holes this way because stellar sized black holes are way undercounted. They're very difficult to see for obvious reasons. And the only, one of the only ways to see them is this way, either when they're eating, uh, feeding off another star, you can see them that way, or when they're right. passing in front of something else. That's right. So, and that I think is possible even with today's stuff now, but I think the software and the analysis has to come along because even the professionals are struggling with, uh, with uh, their algorithms for getting stellar-sized black holes found. But it's coming, and you'll be able to do it as an amateur astronomer soon yeah. enough. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I'm excited. I'm really psyched, psyched about this because oh, yeah. this is... This is just the beginning of what you're doing. So I think it is. Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, can you imagine just being the person that discovers something like, like pushing human knowledge forward with just like, oh, I, you know, today I discovered a black hole, you know, just a yeah, Wednesday. You know, hey. yeah, uh, yeah, 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 exactly. And Tony, just, Tony X1. <laughs> Tony yeah, X1, exactly. Baby. Tony X1. That's right. Um, so is that the most rewarding, <laughs> is that the most re uh, rewarding piece of this for you then, Mike, is like having people get involved in then seeing them start to be successful or is it just sharing it in general? Oh man. Uh, I, I think people getting involved is, is, is pretty darn rewarding. I mean, I, I, uh, we, we have tomorrow night, I have a, I got reached out to by a gentleman who runs a scout, uh, troop and he's like hey can you do a zoom call for my 50 scout people on this and That's the neat so part cool. is i'm going to show him tomorrow i'm going to run this i'm going to run the system and i'll just uh, stream on zoom the system and they'll see it you know and i i just love to be able to share that so uh, because Boy at Scouts the end of the day as, as we always talk about we, we remember this was a father-son thing. That's how this started. Yeah. My son is very much involved in all this. He just likes to be behind the scenes. I mean, he's he's a big, you know, what you guys see behind me and a lot of the stuff that you say, oh, your, your setup's crazy. Well, my son had a lot to do with uh, brainstorming that on how we should make it look and how we well, should do. so. doesn't make it not he's crazy. A big, you know, so. It is crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. So, but uh, yeah. but he's, he's a big part of that. So I, you know, as that, I'm like, I, my father mentality is I want to, I want to show, I want to teach, I want to, I want to help people to see this. Uh, uh, do we want to make uh, make great science? Absolutely. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. Do I want to take over the world? Sure. Why not? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. so, uh, you know, I, I absolutely I, I want to be able to do that because we, we, we do want to grow it and, and be viable in the community. Uh, that's what we, we want our 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 data to be viable. I and mean, that's the big thing, you know, and and we've and I work really hard to try to make that be the case. There's a lot of observatories around the world doing doing stuff, doing, doing the follow-up research that are amazing. And, uh, uh, we're hoping that, uh, that we continue to get there. The Abu Dhabi scope is going to really take us to the next level because now we have a 24 inch plane wave that, uh, the czar out there is so gracious enough to allow us to use, uh, for follow-up that we're going to be getting some of the first, first eyes on stuff. And that's, and that's a monster system out there. So, and it's all, you know, we're good. And I, and that, by the way, if you guys listen, I will be streaming that stuff. <laughs> You're going to be seeing those follow-ups happen on our stream. And that's going to be kind of during the day. So, which, uh, my time, which is awesome. So, um, but it's just, uh, we wanted to grow like that, but in that process. And I, you know, I did a video, uh, last week on, on YouTube. I posted on how to just, how to find our, find asteroids, like on going to the minor planet center 
website and pulling up pulling up the asteroids that need follow-up observations. And at the end of that video, I told everybody, like, listen, if you're looking to get your observatory stuff code or things, reach out to me. We collect data on on asteroids every night. I collected a thousand asteroids last night. I'm more than happy to share those share that data with you so you can slew to these asteroids and take observations off the stuff we're finding from our sky search, you know, on our survey. So um, I've, I want to make people know that, Hey, I'm more than happy to share those things with you. So you can, you can get your code and you can start doing these things. Um, uh, we didn't just make this for us. This is for the, for people to be able to see and learn and grow and understand uh, of this science. You know, that was the whole premise of it. And you went through a pretty big vetting process to get your stuff into these databases too, right? I mean, that's you, you had to prove to the various uh, associations that you're involved in that your data was accurate, met certain thresholds and things like that. So can you, uh, do you have advice for people who are thinking maybe about doing this, what that process might be like and what should they prepare for if yeah, they I mean, wanted to contribute professionally? For sure. Essentially, you have to, you know, the Minor Planet Center wants you to take observations of these objects and submit them um, and, and do that for, for amount of time just to make sure that you know what you're doing. <laughs> uh, and, and they don't necessarily have to be observations on asteroids that need follow-ups. They just want to see, see, they want to see what your photometry is like, how your measurements are. So, um, you know, I would just tell people like, listen, you know, um, you can absolutely do this science. You know, if you're setting up your, setting up your equipment every night, we did it. We would set up our, our telescope every night. I had to make sure I was in the same position every night that the thing was uh you know polar lined well and and because you want to make sure that you're tracking good and, and all these these kinds of things so there's so many variables involved with with some of this stuff uh paulo and i were talking the other day just about the sky and the conditions and and what yeah. where you where you were at has such a major impact on on your photometry and uh so that's those are the challenges so uh, I just tell people, be patient. You're going to have to, you're going to, it's not a hard process. It really is not, but you're going to have to take some observations of these objects. Uh, you are going to have to use uh, some software like Tycho Tracker or Astrometrica. These are, these are the software that guys use to, uh, to measure these or take the, take the uh, positions of these objects. So you're going to have to learn some software on the, on some of that. Um, um, but it's just, it's just time and patience and, and being, you know, you gotta, you gotta be consistent you know, the, the minor planet center, they want to see observations over several weeks. They don't want to, I'll oh, just send me a couple observations over a couple nights. You're good. No, they want to see that. Mm -hmm. I also tell people like, listen, they want to make sure that I think part of it is that they want to see how serious you are. I think, I think that they would probably say, Hey, if this guy's doing this for weeks on end, then he's probably going to be a viable, viable resource for us. So here's, you know, here's a code in that sense. Uh, as opposed to somebody that submits a couple nights and it's like, got my code good now. And then they never do it again. It's like, well, what was the point of that? You know, so yeah, you just took up a lot of professional astronomers time. time. So. <laughs> so it's like, you know, hey, show that show that you know what you're doing. So, you know, and the big thing is, too, because they're they're They want to know your position of where you're at. They want to know your lat long. There's parallax involved and stuff like that. So they want to you know, when they when they go to give you your code, they're going to confirm, you know, they go to Google Earth and they confirm they they reached out to me and that we had a real problem because at the time the minor planet centers uh database had gone down and they they had had problems with their system gone and it would it was down for months and we were submitting data and we just never got responses so me being the hard head that i was i was like i was relentless in my emails and i finally got uh got started getting some responses from them and and they were like oh yeah yeah okay yeah you're well here's a date oh oh yeah you know here's here's uh sorry we took so long but they just they were they were under the gun because they had 
they had a big data crash at the time. So we were, it did take, it took us like 10 months <laughs> to get our code. Uh, it would normally would not take that long, but it did just because, because of that. So, um, yeah. So prepare, so prepare for some work ahead of you, but if you're committed and you really want to contribute to this, then, uh, it's work, it's work well worth doing because you can, you're, you'll be plugged in and you'll, your observations will be going along with everyone else's. And so, yeah. And you want, you want to have good track and mount. You want to have good, good, uh, you know, good telescope, good, good camera. You can't, I get it all the time, man. You cannot do this with a cell phone. I'm sorry. I wish you could. I mean, it would be a lot cheaper if I could do this with a cell phone. I'll tell you what. So uh, even, even the low light ones, even the ones with like maybe you just the, don't have a good the, enough cell phone. I know. yeah, maybe your cell phone. Oh man, just, I, you need I, to have I, the astrophoto mode. Oh my gosh, man, I, I, you wouldn't you wouldn't believe the messages <laughs> I've got from people. Hey, I've I've got this object. I'm not going to share it with you. Just tell me where to submit the data. It's on my iPhone. That's right. I've okay, seen man. a thing that is that is super classified. I have. I've gotten those. It's like, I'm not going to share this with you because I don't want you to steal it from me. I'm like, okay, man, it's cool. Yeah, I, you I, keep it, dude. Because clearly that's your model. <laughs> Taking people's cell phone <laughs> images and stealing them. Stealing them. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a so, thing. It's a thing. Oh, my happens. gosh. Yeah. It's, oh, and it, yeah. And that's that's the other side of what we're doing is that there we're we're, you know, I, the questions I get, the comments of stuff, I'm like, for the most part, everybody's awesome. It's totally awesome. But occasionally you get those crazy, like, okay, well, yeah, man, uh, that's cool, man. Do you, do your thing. I'm, uh, I'm not looking to, uh, to do that. So I've got a picture of Nibiru. I'm not sharing it with nobody, man. Exactly. So, exactly. Uh, yeah. It's mine. NASA's Same been here. hiding that thing for years. So I, I got it and I got proof. So that's right. There. That's yeah. right. I got well, it, but I immediately deleted it because I knew it was controversial, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You probably get the CIA up on your phone just for having oh, the pixels gosh. there, right? Stored in that memory. Right. I can't say this stuff, man. Somebody's going to take it seriously. <laughs> yeah, especially in this day and age. I know. They will. I know. All I right. Know. <clears throat> well, all right. Well, here we go. I need to do this. Because I know you do. I know you do. As we record this episode, it is it is March 5th. Yeah, hey, we tonight. Hey. By the time you hear this, this probably won't go out till next Monday. So it'll be a week after the fact. But tonight. At about in about three hours, actually, um, a a the asteroid Apophis is going to be flying not so close by Earth, uh, but it will be uh, its closest flyby until it does another really close flyby in 2029, the end of this decade. Now, for those of you who don't know, Apophis is a near-Earth asteroid, potentially hazardous asteroid that was discovered in 2004. It's about 400 meters wide, and it is. When it was first discovered, people thought it might actually hit Earth. More observations came along, much like what Mike is doing, to to show that it is not, in fact, going to hit uh, Earth in 2029. It's also scheduled to make other flybys uh, in the in the 2036. future, uh, 2036, 2060 something, yep. 2068, and then on and on it goes. And these, there are, uh, it is. Astronomers aren't worried about this hitting the Earth, but they are extremely excited about this flyby in 2029 because it will get so close to the Earth, it will fly, it will pass underneath the the orbit of the geosynchronous satellites overhead. That is the closest yeah. <laughs> that we know of anyway, something that big has gotten to us. So, um, th and, and this is an opportunity for astronomers to understand what an asteroid like that 
uh, is made of, what it looks like, what are its components, and what can they expect if something like that were to actually hit Earth. And there's a lot of missions. We could do a whole episode on this, but I won't. But uh, there will be a lot of missions in the coming years that are designed to follow Apophis, wait for Apophis at the L2 point, and maybe follow along as it flies by to take data. Lots of possibilities here. But... Uh, and, and unfortunately, by the time you hear this episode, this particular flyby will have passed by. But Mike, you are already doing some observations of Apophis. Can you yeah. describe what you've done and are, what, what what is your data? Is your data, do you think, going to be helping? Well, of course, it's going to be helping. That's a leading question. Yes, well, uh, yeah, well, you, you, know what, you know where I'm going with this, <laughs> I right? I know where you're going. I mean, I help us going. understand what you're doing with Apophis and how it helps. Well, yeah, and 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 just what's what's even crazier about Apophis today is that I got a I saw an email from uh, Richard Kowalski, who's a really huge uh, amateur astron- astronomer in the uh, in in the science world of this. And uh, Roy Tucker passed away. You say who's Roy Tucker? Well, he was a co-discoverer of Apophis, and uh, he passed away today. Uh, unfortunately, uh, diagnosed with stage four cancer not long ago. So. Our hearts go out to his family. But uh, I got that email right after I got the message from you, Tony, which I thought was like, wow, man, like Apophis is coming around and and Roy, the co-discoverer. Yeah. It's like what crazy. So um, but but uh, our hearts go out to the family there. But um, but yeah, essentially, I mean, we we have. Yes, we have taken observations of Apophis. I now are again, our survey captured those. Our search captured those. So, again, all part of that position. Uh, um, data. So essentially we've, we've take, we, we take observations. I, I did some 30 second exposures in there. Um, we, we captured its motion. It's running about 1.2 something degrees per day is I think what the motion was on that thing. Uh, let me see, do I still have that data? Yes. Um, so essentially, you know, our SkySift, uh, software that we have will give us our three positions. It'll give us our magnitude. Um, it gives us any of our uh, our motion as far as the speed. It gives us position angle uh, of the object and in our and our actual uh, residual of our error or anything like that. So uh, essentially, the the object itself was uh, running. We were at 16 magnitude when we captured it. We took three positions of it. Uh, our, the motion we captured was 1.278 degrees per day at a position angle of 292.8 degrees. So that's the data that gets sent to the Minor Planet Center. And uh, if you pull up uh, Apophis in the Minor Planet Center's database and look, there's over 5,000 observations at this point uh, for obvious reasons. So uh, our names are listed in there as as some of the ones that have uh, what's, uh, made what's observations. The so, well, what's the magnitude? Well, I, I captured it at uh, 16 several days ago. Hang on a second. I can tell you what the what the latest is on it. Let me. Let me look here real quick here. Um, okay. And while you're doing that, let me yeah. just point out that while the that we can. It doesn't matter how many observations you get of a particular asteroid or near-Earth object. There's always uncertainties in those measurements. And so the more, the, the more you get, the more you can reduce those uncertainties. And certainly what people like Mike are doing is reducing those uncertainties. But it's also giving so many data points that you can also begin to study this stuff like something called Yarkovsky acceleration. I'm not quite sure what it is, but the, it's this movement, this acceleration of an asteroid that it undergoes when under the influence of other gravitational bodies. So that means that you can get a better handle on this in case it happens to change its trajectory in some way. So it's important information to have. So what did, yeah. so did you find re- it? Yeah, I did. Um, uh, last night's or this morning's observations recently of uh, 
um, observatory code V93 out of Fort Madison, uh, the Pin Oak Observatory. Uh, got it at 15.8 magnitude, F- between 15.6 and 15.8 magnitude. It's for us, that's really bright. <laughs> it uh, is. The, I was going to say for the Raza, it's like that. I can, oh my gosh, like that. That's like break, not even breaking a sweat. So we captured it at 15.9 is what we we captured. It's been hovering around 15 magnitude, uh, is, is where it's been kind of. And kind that'll of be about where it is. I it mean, when sit, it passes yeah. by tonight, yeah, probably, probably be something, uh, about, about that bright. The, does it matter other than the magnitude? Does it matter whether things are close by or far away, as far as you're concerned for well, what you're doing? Well, it should ask size, the dinosaurs that. I did good to the dinosaurs. That's right. Well, si- size has a lot to do with a lot of these things, and yes, I mean farther out. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we are capturing little points of light uh, that are that are you know the sun's radiating the light off them. So it's it's like. When, when they get far out like that, they get really dim. If they're, if they're way out in their orbits. Uh, now, you can have a smaller object that has a very low, that could be very close, that still has a very low uh, magnitude reading. Um, and and you, we wouldn't be able to see it because if, if it's, you know, it's up in the 20 plus range. Um, we basically are, when we do a 30 second exposure based on our location, we just start to touch 19 magnitude. Uh, we're about 19. 18.7 is pretty average for us. Uh, which is still very good. We 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 capture a lot of objects at that. Um, now, if I was the, if I started stacking and doing stuff, I could obviously go deeper. And I know guys that that utilize software where they stack and they can go deeper and those kind of things. But for us, we're we're just taking those three images. So that's still um, pretty good. We're man. trying to doing that's pretty, pretty good, good considering where we have. But that's that has a lot to do with the with the Raza. So um, yeah. So I mean, and that that was these these magnitudes. It's like. You know, I, I was talking to Sam. Sam Dean is, and people that are work in the in the in the Minor Planet Center community know Sam very well. He's in our Discord. He's part of our research team. He uh, he does he doesn't even own a telescope. He actually takes uh, uh, sky surveys, and he's and he's taken the stuff off of the internet, and he he tries to find objects that have um, been discovered. He looks for them at, at earlier dates, pre pre recovery. So if you have an asteroid that was discovered maybe a, a few months ago. He'll look at that uh, orbit and say, oh, let me go back to a sky survey from 10 years ago and see if I could find it there. And he finds them. He finds them. And when he does that, it, it really helps understand more of the orbits. It's like you said, the more observations, we need more observations so we can really understand these objects and uh, what they're doing. So, uh, but he tells me, he's like, yeah, the magnitude readings, it's like, especially especially in the MPC site, they, they're, it's like eh, position is really important that's the most important thing the position that's what that's right. what we're really trying to figure out we want to know <laughs> we want to know the where is this thing where's this thing at where's it going what's it doing obviously you know magnitude has to do with size that was a big thing about Oumuamua that uh, you know it's like the Voldemort of all asteroids that you never want to talk about is they <laughs> they they want they were getting these well, big... you could thank Avi Loeb for that he I know really right that up. yeah he, he really did he did he did but uh they were getting those big those big magnitude swings and that's how they kind of discovered that, you know, the, the actual shape of the object, because you'd have these big swings, like 10, 10 magnitude swings in these things, which is very unheard of for an ob- object, you know. Um, so they, that's how they can kind of figure out, oh, is it tumbling? What's the what's the what's the, you know, uh, what's the shape of this object? And those kind of things based on it. So uh, there's a lot of things, a lot of things in there. But the big thing is position. And, and based on that position, we can calculate speed you know, speed of the object and uh, the motion of the object. So uh, positions, everything in this, you know, in that. So. Yep. And uh, yeah, so I think um, there's something like, 
I don't know, 5,000 uh, objects I think NASA's keeping really close uh, eye on what they're called near-Earth objects, but there's many, many more out there that they'd also track. Um, I'm personally glad you guys are doing this because in <laughs> if I think about all of the things that NASA does and, by extension, you guys do and professional astronomers, what, what Asteroid Hunters is doing and all these people, this is probably some of the most important information we'd ever want to have, right? We would love yes. to know if there is something heading right towards us and enough time to do something about it. And the only way you're going to get that information is by doing what you're doing. So I, for yeah, one, am grateful that you're I doing this. I appreciate that. And, 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 <laughs> and that, that, that's where I can lead to my disclaimers to tell people, like, listen, you know, uh, and, I, and I, I, I know Tony, Tony messaged me. He says, hey, we're going to talk about POPs. I said, great. Let's not talk about doom and gloom because here because here we try to avoid that all costs. I just tell people, listen, man, we are taking the observations. I'm not here to determine anything. If you guys want that information, you need to go to NASA. You need to go to JPL. Let those guys tell you what's going on. I'm not here to tell you. Why do I say that? Because I get all the questions. I get right. I get the I have well, you're, you're on the front lines. You're I'm there. The front yeah, line. you're so, facing, right. so but I, I, I've gotten the question of, hey, man, if a, and I and I did if Apophis hits off the coast and the, what's the wave height going to be? And uh, I'm how big of a basement do I need to to have under my house? Here's the <laughs> here's the structural components of my house. I live in Ontario. What would ha- like? I'm not kidding. I'm actually not kidding. So, yeah, that's kind of sad know, though. I mean, people, is, yeah, you know, they're scared. So I just tell, and and that's the thing. I don't. This this can be a very this this can have a. A yeah. scary side. Tony to it, and tried I to capitalize on it. He started Apophis <laughs> Inc. Insurance. Oh, I. I on one of our podcasts, he oh mentioned the Poffice Inc. Duck and yeah. Cover Incorporated. And That's right. Yeah. And, I, look, <laughs> I, I told the guy, I said, listen, I'm six miles underground uh, transmitting this to you if this tells you anything. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I just I just like, listen, I, I just tell people, hey that's not that's not us man we don't we're we're taking the observations we're doing our part but well that's not what we want to do because one thing you you don't want to go there i get you don't want to go there but look what you if you don't then there's going to be people who will go there and give out all kind of bad information as long as what you're saying is true then you're not you're not doing anything right you know you're not doing anybody any disservice. If, if right? there's any what if there's any discussions we have uh, a, a lot of in our Discord with uh, with guys like Sam and Kenneth and stuff that are in there, the guys that are that are doing a lot of this other major. These guys, by by the way, if you guys get in our Discord, man, these guys have discovered Jupiter moons uh, over the last uh, uh, few months. They Sky and Telescope did a uh, article on that. That all happened right in our Discord. Uh, I put these guys together. They're out there making it happen. So, uh, but but they get on my case. Like we're very careful about what articles we share in the Discord. Uh, uh, Kenneth yeah. is he's yeah. really he's really on the front line of he. I think he does stuff for Wikipedia and stuff, and he's real he's real cautious about like information about. It. So he'll even jump on my case like, "Hey man, this is not a good resource. Like you need to go here." And I'm like, "Okay," and I and I don't know because there's too many. Like you said, Tony, there's yeah. too many. There's well, too many bad things out there. I get I get articles sent to me, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like what is the news? I love right that here? question Horrible. though. It's like you know, it's like they're asking you. So if there's a huge wave coming, how far <laughs> below sea level should I get? <laughs> That's right. It's true. <laughs> well, tell them. <laughs> oh my god! You're gosh. gonna be you're gonna be a hundred meters below the surface, dude. Get di- get digging. Get digging. You know. Uh, you know. Uh, oh. Look, if people want to build a bunker. They're and they're hell belt bent on. They're gonna build that bunker, that's right? True. So that's ain't true. nothing you gonna do about this. All you that's can true. do is give information that's true and accurate. And I have one. I have a guy like that on my Discord server too. Is Uncle Bill? Awesome. He really makes sure that what we post out there isn't some. If it is 
you know, crap of some kind, we at least all know that. Well, right? and and, and um, it's, Uncle Bill is also our mod in our Discord. I I, yeah. I know that about him. So because I'm yeah. very I am very cautious about that because I do not. The last thing I ever want to do is get it, give out wrong information on this. Exactly. On this None topic. of us want to do that. No, and we don't want no to way. say wrong things. That's but if right. we, if it as educators, yeah, right, well, you as spend educators, this much time it's our talking. job to do this. Sometimes, yeah, right. sometimes you say the wrong thing. It just ha- everybody does. It happens from time to time. You don't mean to. But when you spend all of your time talking, I mean, even in this podcast, I mean, we, we spend how many hours talking? Eventually, you're going to say something. Yeah, That's but we like, don't say oh, yeah, things that, wasn't that exactly wrong. Right. We don't accidentally we don't accidentally say, you know, that 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 you know, a pop or a, a, a Nibiru is going to come and hit the earth. You know, we we do right. say wrong I've things. Said that. I we say, say that pretty regularly. We've misspoke. Yeah. <laughs> we say much worse wrong things than that. I'm only finding out right now that I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm here. laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like I said, that's that's just something we're very, hand, we're very cautious of. We're well, not. Uh, we're that's not a point. Win, so that's a point so well know. taken. That's yeah. a point well taken because on the one hand, there's no combating craziness with facts, right? Yes. People, you're not going to get there, and engaging in it is is a big waste of time. Um, flat earthers, yeah, all of that, same kind of thing, right? It's a huge waste of time to try and engage with this. Oh, so and it's, and it's I get true. that. And it's it's hard to it's hard to to differentiate i get people asking questions that are like is this guy legitimate or not i had i had, I had somebody in the instagram a, f- a few weeks ago say too bad too bad these guys don't take uh there's no real asteroids on their channel on what they do and i was like what like what are you talking about i i show all this stuff all the time so i went back i said no you know we we did this he's like no he goes you have pictures yeah, of, he have pictures of trolled. dots he says you have yeah. pictures of dots and you claim asteroids and I'm like, well, that's what an asteroid looks like. <laughs> like it's a dot, right? So yeah, and, then, yeah. and then I'm like, uh oh, and I I click his profile and waste. it's a flat it's a flat Earth guy and I was waste like, oh of, man, I dang it, waste man. of time. Down, you got like, trolled. I got, got trolled. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well. So, yeah. And you're um, right. That is that is you do want to guard against that because you got better things to do than engage right. with that. So right. I get that. That's right. Um, but I don't want to come away from topics like that on our own podcast where, where, where there are some interesting things to talk about that are real and true and scientific that would, I think, help other people understand this. So that's why I wanted to bring up Apophis. Well, you Apophis up, you, is not yeah. going to hit the no, earth. Not, but you bring up a great point. Like, yeah, this is a great opportunity for science to, to really take a look, to study, and to understand. And, and right. absolutely, you know, um, is this a dangerous asteroid? Of course it is. It's it's crossing yeah. our anything that's crossing our orbit yeah. is a dangerous yeah, asteroid. I'm <laughs> sorry, but it's underneath the orbit of geosynchronous satellites. Is yeah, that's pretty scary. Damn close. Yes, a billion, scary. a billion and a half people are going to be able to see this thing in 2029 with their naked eye going right. overhead. Right. So this is a big deal. Okay, it is. It is. but it is it is also not a, a threat, but it is a scientific gold mine. That's right. And and so we need to look at it that way and tell people that's what it is. That's right. Um and, so you heard uh, it here first. That's that right. You heard Apophis it here first. Probably maybe might not hit her. <laughs> Duck and cover incorporated. Yeah. Don't com. stand all the way up on that day. That, that's right. Duck and cover. I have a po- duck and cover incorporated.com. Oh my gosh. Uh policies are ranging from Twenty dollars to stay out of tall buildings. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but you're probably good. I have nothing to do with this conversation. Probably more or less. You you should be okay. Let's just say most of you right? will be fine. Yeah, we can, you we should can comfortably be, say that. I can. Most yeah, of I you will be, be fine. <laughs> most of you will be okay. Most of you will be okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, I can comfortably corroborate what Dustin said. I can, said. I can, I can oh comfortably say yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. All right. Oh, man. Well, here comes, on oh, here comes the messages. Note. Yeah, we yes, have just yep. ruined the next two months of Mike's life. Yes, you did. You just <laughs> yeah. destroyed me. Thanks a lot. I need to get that domain name real quick. Though. Yeah, you do. Uh, so, anyway, um, on, on that note, <laughs> we will go ahead and close out this episode. Uh, Mike Forsland, the runner of Asteroid Hunters and Asteroid Search. Uh, thank you for taking time out to be with us. Follow him on all the things um, that are out there because he's streaming on all of the things and taking pictures. And get yourself out there do some asteroid searches yourself and get involved this is something i think you'll find very gratifying and i think it's one of the one of the brighter frontiers for the amateur astronomy hobby so on behalf of dustin gibson i'm tony darnell thank you so very much for listening and as always keep looking up Space Junk is produced by Deep Astronomy and sponsored by OPT Telescopes in Carlsbad, California. Please visit our website at spacejunkpodcast.com. Also, please send any questions and comments or ideas for new episodes to spacejunk at deepastronomy.com. 